Hi, I'm Carrie Butler, and you're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. I have a special offer for my listeners. You can get my new course at carriebutlercoach.com slash broadwaypodcast. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Once I played a penny who just couldn't stop the beat. Yes, with all her skates on her feet. The girl who loved to please. Of course, it's recently to see a real cool mom musical version of Tina Fey Tina Fey now come with me and fly I am your host Miss Carrie Butler together you Today's episode of Breaking Broadway is a crossover with Oh My Pod, you guys. We had so much fun doing this episode, and don't worry, there's still lots of advice for aspiring performers out there. Hope you enjoy the show. Oh My Pod, you guys. I am so, so excited for this amazing crossover episode of the pod with the incredible Breaking Broadway's Carrie Butler. <laughs> oh my pod. Oh my pod, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> my dream come true. <laughs> Carrie Butler singing on the podcast. <laughs> I'm so excited to meet you and to chat with you. We I have so, so many things to ask you. But my first just thing that I ask all of my guests is, where are you calling in from? Oh, well, during COVID, I moved out to the suburbs. So I am in New Jersey. <laughs> Which, I don't hate New Jersey. I just miss the city. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Are you far enough that you can like feel a sense of solace? Yes. <laughs> like apart from the craziness? Yes, but I miss, I really miss just seeing all my friends, you know, like a street away and just going in of for course. anything. Like now, anytime that. I get asked to do anything, it's like, okay, I have to figure out am I driving? Am I taking the train? You know, all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Well, oh my gosh, I, where do I even begin? I I truly have been such a fan of yours for quite some time. I think my, my first exposure to you was um, when my high school did Xanadu. Oh. And then we did, a, of course, a deep dive. And I was like, this is the the end-all be-all of musical theater was this show. Which, of course, you were casually nominated for a Tony for. <laughs> um, but I want to ask you about sort of the, um, the difference between being in more of like an obscure cult classic show like Xanadu versus something that's just so iconic like a Les Mis or you know like a, a Hairspray like what is the um the draw for you in terms of projects like when you are asked to audition for something or or given a script to read like what's the what's the driving you know force for you yeah great question and um this is actually something that I try and like teach young actors so you know, when you get your first 
job, then everybody wants to put you in a box to be that. And so my goal has always been just to be a working actor. And to do that, I will take parts for less money or I will, you know, do things that people don't see me in so then I can get more of that and have more longevity. So I feel like my career has been kind of crazy where like I will be starring (laughs) in Xanadu, nominated for a Tony as the lead actor. And then the next show I do on Broadway, I have a part where I don't come in until the second act and I'm Brenda Strong in Fly Fly Away. But, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously I chose that. I mean, I chose that because like I love that song. It's one of my favorite songs that I've ever gotten to sing, Fly Fly Away. And I love Mm -hmm. Mark and Scott. That team was incredible. So I really, really wanted to be a part of that show. And it's funny with Xanadu, I uh, did all of the very first readings of Xanadu when they were first developing in it. It was so fun. And, but again, like when you're in a show, you always think it's amazing, but you actually don't know. (laughs) And, and, (laughs) And so the year I got Xanadu, I also got cast in like five readings of new shows, workshops, like Legally Blonde, um, (laughs) Little Mermaid. uh, I did The Robber Bridegroom. I did A Wedding Singer (gasps) and Xanadu. And I was like, you know, thinking I was it. Like, which one am I going to choose? Cut to getting replaced (laughs) in all of them. I got replaced in Xanadu. And then Jane Krakowski did it because, you know, they want somebody with a name. And sure. uh, so Jane Krakowski was doing it. And then when it was going to Broadway, she decided or it didn't work out with her schedule, something that she couldn't do it. And so then they yeah. came back to me. And so it's like, I always say if it was my choice, I probably would have chosen The Little Mermaid because I'm obsessed with The Little Mermaid. And, you know, it's Disney <laughs> and I'm obsessed with Disney. Yeah. But Xanadu ended up being the best thing for my career. So I just think, you know, trust the universe where it takes you and um, just your goal should always be to be just a working actor. Just working. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That is so funny. And that's actually more often than not when I have spoken to people on the podcast, they've said you the things that you think are correct for you Mm -hmm. kind of it's you know sometimes it works out but most of the time it is up to the universe and timing and being in the right spot at the right moment and just being open to the possibility so that's i i totally agree and the things that you don't get are because maybe something better is coming along absolutely i mean there's just we i've spoken about it again on the show but my broadway debut happened because of covid if if no people way. weren't out if people weren't sick i wouldn't have been called to go on in chicago oh so like my gosh. you know silver linings out of that huge horrible disaster was that like when broadway came back and you know everyone was still masking backstage yeah. and everything i got called the day of because they were like we need someone. Are you in the city? Can you be here at 7 p.m.? Have you already so, done it on tour? I did the tour, yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks, oh yeah. But gosh. it was, you know, those things where it's just about the timing yes. is never, you know, everyone's path to to Broadway is different. Yeah. And, and not just to Broadway. There's, I mean, you obviously have worked outside of Broadway in many facets, not only um, performing, but also you um, directed yeah. uh, in Florida, which is amazing. So, um Tell me about the sort of like parallel life of being, you know, one of the most, if I do say so myself, incredible Broadway performers with oh just this, these countless credits. Oh my and then also being 
a person outside of that that has other interests and other things going on in your life? Like, how do you strike the balance? Um, well... Or do you, I yeah, guess, is what yeah. <laughs> should I say? You know, I always think of that song from Baby, you know, I want it all. Well, you can't have it all. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's really hard. I mean, mm-hmm. I do have two daughters. And um, I always remember, like, I adopted my first daughter when I was doing Xanadu. So it's like all of this amazing stuff happening at the same time. Because Xanadu really was a show that took up all of my time because we were doing so much press at the same time. And so here I am, a new mom, and having the biggest moment of my career. Uh, So it was rough. And it's funny, having having theater – can be a good job for being a parent when your kids are young because you could just spend the whole day playing with them. And I would really put in an effort to, even when we were rehearsals, to take my daughter to the park before we started rehearsals at 10 a.m., you know, spend at mm. least an hour with her in the playground. Um, but when I, once the show opened, then I did have, I could spend, you know, like all day with my daughter in the museum or whatever, but I couldn't be there at night. And yeah. The, on the one night off that I could be there, she would cry if I tucked her in because she was so used to her dad tucking her in. <laughs> so it's like heartbreaking. Um, yeah. Just to not have you don't you don't realize like what a bonding time that is the bedtime ritual and to never ever routine yeah never be there for that. Um, and and you know uh, I'm like old school where I never miss a show. And so that is also difficult because I miss everything. And that's kind Mm -hmm. of after COVID. I was like, gosh, I've missed so many weddings and even like funerals for people I really cared about. And uh, and because in the back of your mind, you're always like, well, I only get two personal days if I use it for this one what if somebody really close to me dies and then what I have happens? To, it's like you're you're doing this kind of crazy bargaining in your mind yes um so I'm really trying to focus on life events right now <laughs> um mm-hmm. and and I do think um when I get in another Broadway show I'm gonna say when and not if because that is always in the back of your mind too like am I ever gonna work again but (laughs) I'm gonna say uh when I get another Broadway show um I do think I will try and make that a little bit more of a priority than I have in my entire career (laughs) Mm. (laughs) that's amazing I mean there's just no denying that your track record on the b-way is you know more of a heavy hitter than than some are lucky enough to say. You just have like done so many different types of things. But something that I love about your podcast is that you seem so um, genuinely interested in what other people think and have to say, not only about the industry, but just about like things in life. And I think, you know, sometimes people can fall into the trap of not necessarily being interested um, in learning or taking on new information because they have such a huge resume or, you know, they feel that they've done this, that, and the other thing. And so I would love to hear about um, what even inspired you to create your podcast and then, you know, how you, like, go about interviewing people who are sometimes your friends and sometimes people that you might not even know. Yeah, Um, yeah, it's interesting. I do love 
doing my podcast because I do learn so much. And we are, as as performers especially, I think we have to constantly learn and we have to constantly be in training. And, and now I teach. And even that, I learn so much just from teaching. So I'm not actually going to class, even though I would. I would still – I love taking class. I would be going now. I just have two kids and I'm too lazy to go. But <laughs> – <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> but teaching through teaching, it reminds me of all the things that I should be doing when I get a script and, and stuff like that. So I, I love that. Yeah. So I started doing my podcast <laughs> because I was constantly get questions on Instagram and I got tired of answering them individually. <laughs> You're like, let me just <laughs> let me just say nip this in the bud <laughs> and help people that way. <laughs> so that's that's how I started doing my podcast. And it was really just for because so many of my fans now because Mean Girls and Beetlejuice I have a whole new slew of tween followers and they were the ones constantly like is this your first Broadway show? How did you get here? I'm like, girl, like, no. <laughs> I have been You're around. Like, but Read a book. <laughs> but so I, so since that was my biggest question, I just thought, oh, there's a need for this. <laughs> so I started doing it. And then through doing that, you know, I'm terrible. I want to get good at social media. I don't feel like I'm good at it uh, because it is such a tween thing. My tw- yes. my 12 year old daughter is much better at me, and sh- she she will help me <laughs> make my posts. I'm like, Mom, what are you doing? No, let me just. She's, and she fixes my stuff in like one second. She's like, No, you need to use this font. You need to have this clear back. You know, but most of the time she's in school, so <laughs> so I still have terrible posts out there. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But so I, <laughs> so I inter- interview people who are things I want to find out. So I just recently had this TikTok star, um, Emily Kristen Morris, and... She has like almost 2 million followers on TikTok. Insane. And she's done Broadway. No, she hasn't done Broadway, but she wants to be on Broadway. And she's done like the mm-hmm. Wicked tour. Tour, yes. And um, and she also teaches voice. And so it was just really interesting to see. She only grew her, her following during COVID. So in that short amount of time, to be such an influencer. And I think 
I mean, people haven't, performers, I don't think have um, really taken advantage of how much TikTok can, can help your career. Yes, 100%. And so that's what I look for for my guests. I don't look for, I don't even ask my fancy friends, honestly, to do it. I mm-hmm. ask people who I think can be the most helpful. And and so I found Emily, actually, I didn't even know her, but I was, <laughs> my daughter told me I should do those TikToks where you watch somebody performing, you know, like stuff you've done or oh, something. Oh, yeah. Do so, like a live reaction. Yes, a reaction one. Yeah. <laughs> so I was doing a reaction and the first person that popped up was Emily singing Fly Fly Away. So mm-hmm. I'm doing a reaction. And meanwhile... <laughs> This TikTok is horrible. Like, I look like I just woke up. I'm so, I'm like, oh, this is great. She's great. So I'm not so cut out for doing TikToks. But then I, so I I post that TikTok and then I look up Emily. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's actually a working actor. I thought this was a kid. I'm like, she's so good. She's actually a working actress and she's a TikTok star. And so then I asked her to be on my podcast. And she's like, oh my gosh, I'm a huge fan of yours. So so th- that's kind of the random way. Sometimes I choose people. <laughs> but it, yeah. but it is about me wanting to learn more about the industry. Because also mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not out there auditioning now so much. I do audition sometimes, but for the most part, you know, I have an advantage. People know who I am, so I don't have to go right. to open calls, but I feel bad for those people who who, uh, yeah. who have to get up at, you know, sometimes 3 a.m. in the morning and do it. And so anything mm-hmm. I can do to help them which is so admirable truly because again there are people who would not have that perspective and would just think you know well it's not it doesn't concern me but i love that you are you know concerned with helping and and teaching sort of the next generation of people who are coming up in this business because everything has changed i mean when you started in this industry it was something completely different and now that we have the ability to use social media we have like like so much connectivity Mm -hmm. um virtually it's a completely different thing i mean i just went through an entire audition process for a show that was completely online i've never met any of them in person because they're british so it, it was like a you know, a completely different experience than was it than something. Was it like Zoom callbacks or yes? Oh, mm-hmm. and so which was just how did you do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you do that? Because I always have trouble with that. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. Um, did you did you use your phone? Did you use your computer? I used my computer. Mm-hmm. I basically did what I do in terms of just like a self tape, which is like you know the ring light setup. Yes. Like I tried to have like a nice enough background, yeah. but the this show is such that it's like. Um, very conversational with the audience. So I chose not to do it um, with like a, just a blank um, background. I actually just did it right here uh-huh. in my bedroom um, to make it feel more lived in and yeah. to make it feel more comfortable um, Smart. and to make myself feel more comfortable right. because I was like, I, I want this to feel like a conversation. Um, but then they were also really um, helpful in sort of a direction way because they asked me to play directly to the camera lens uh-huh. as opposed to trying to, you know, put somebody in the oh, room with me. Right. Um, yeah, so that's the felt... tricky part on those Zoom auditions. Yeah. Because then I, I always wonder, should I be looking at my, sc- like the computer screen where it's the reader or should I be looking like right. somewhere near the camera? Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's like finding that balance. And I think it's going to be different for every audition. Yeah. And, you know, s- luckily we are in a place where like now it's like typically you put things on tape and then you're eventually seen in the room right. in person. Right. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about that. But um, yeah. So just things like that, that I I, I love that you um, 
are so excited to talk about those things and and teach. Yeah, people. well, I had some really really great role models, you know, in like my first few shows, like Harvey Firestein when we were doing Hairspray, he was like a <sighs> mom to all of us, honestly. Mm. And he, one thing I took from Harvey was that he always stood up for the ensemble. So he used his power, the power that mm-hmm. he had. Not for himself, but to stand up if people were being rehearsed too much, if they were, you know, if we were doing Tony rehearsal all day long and then, you know, hardly even have a dinner, you know, if people are falling apart, he would use his voice to stand up for people. And I, so, you know, that was kind of my first big, big original show. And so I always thought I want to be like that. I want to use whatever power I have to help others. And on that same note, I will say like, you know, there's like controversy going on around equity right now and... I don't have any problem with equity at all, but if even if I did, like, it's not for me at this point, you know? Right. It's for the people who don't have a voice. Yep. A hundred percent. And we can sit here and, and you know, have that perspective and totally agree, but we are also so privileged in the fact that we have already, you know, done things that we wanted to do and we are the privilege of our whiteness and Mm -hmm. you know there are so many other layers too that like all of it you know it's just an interesting argument that like we could (laughs) dive into forever but um right but on the whole it's there just to give us you know a safe working environment breaks yes yes um pay you know yeah absolutely the ability to get into an audition room right just right period yeah 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 so switching gears a little bit, I was, of course, you know, when I knew that I was going to talk to you, I was like, I have to know everything that I could possibly know about Miss <laughs> Carrie Butler. Um, but in sort of looking at your history with with theater, I sort of realized that many of the shows and the roles that you have had a hand in creating have gone on to um, either be revived or to be um, recreated in different iterations. I mean, you were the original Penny in Hairspray, oh, and then yeah. that became a movie. You were, you know, in Catch Me If You Can, which was based on a movie. But then, like, what else? I mean, <laughs> everything, basically, like, Rock of Ages is a movie. And oh, right. the, now mean it's the girls, Mean Girls right? movie. Yeah. So when you, when you hear that there are... Um, projects coming up or, or revivals of things that you created, do you feel a sense of ownership over um, roles and shows that you were in? I don't know about ownership, but I think there is a sort of uh, gratefulness or honor that I got to be the person to originate that role and, yeah. and sort of a pride in a way. Um, right. You know, like Hairspray, I think is a great example because um, Penny, a lot of the stuff that's like in, that that put into the script was stuff that I just did, and you know, like I didn't know this, but my my nieces went to the tour of they saw me in Hairspray, right? Then they went to the mm-hmm. tour of Hairspray, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, Penny on tour was so funny." You know, how your family is sometimes. <laughs> they're like, Penny, she was doing like this puppet show under the bottom. I'm like, I did that puppet show. I started that right and so it's it's but but the cool thing is that they just let me do whatever i wanted and then it got written mm-hmm. to the script and so something like that is just so exciting that i am forever a part of wherever it goes just my little my little thing that i created is a part of the show um yeah 
And so I think that's really cool. And me and Marissa and Laura Bell are right now, we just created our own show, Mama, Mama, Big Girl Now, and we're touring with it. Amazing. So we just had our first concert in Utah and it's been so much fun. So tell me about that show. Is it um, like all songs that you three have um, like sung in the past? Is it, or is it like new new stuff? we are creating it. It's still a work in progress. I mean, but we're t- trying to – we want it to be more even like a play than just a concert with stories going through it and Fun. a storyline. So it's been just – we feel so creative making it. And um, so it's it's a mixture of everything. For our fans, we do try and hit like some of our greatest hits. You know? Of course. <laughs> but we weave them into a story. And um, we kind of try and give behind-the-scenes stories of Hairspray, our friendship. Uh, and and uh, we have like the greatest hits of Hairspray in there too, but a lot of other stuff too. Like Laura Bell, of course, does like an awesome Legally Blonde medley. So there's ah! that for the Legally Blonde fans. <laughs> the mega mix. Yes, the mega mix. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> well, I would love to know too, like having such an extensive career and working with so, so many people, um, have there ever been people who have, you, you've been just like starstruck by or like oh intimidated by like walking into the room? Uh, always. Um, yes. Uh, well, <laughs> first of all, I mean, I'm obsessed with Bernadette Peters. And so I've, oh. I've never worked with her. Um, but I've done the Broadway Bark, so I've met her before. She's always been super oh, nice. Oh, yeah. I'm going on the Broadway cruise in March, <gasps> and she's performing. So, Oh, my God. I'm dying. Oh, my God. I am, like, going to sit in the front row for that show. I was I posted a thing like, do you think me and Bernadette Peters could be best friends by the end of the cruise? <laughs> but, so that's my new goal. Um, she's going to be there, and... Uh, it may be the first time I like have a real conversation with her in my dreams. That's what's going uh-huh. to happen, but we'll see. <laughs> um, also, my other, my two like icons growing up, three actually, were Bernadette Peters, uh, Patti Lapone, and uh, Bette Midler. Mm-hmm. So I I also was in, I also was really intimidated when I've met like Patti Lapone. She's super super nice to me. Um, Oh, I've never worked with her either, though. Uh, but I did the show The Best Man. And yes. that was a play. My first. As Mabel. Yes. My first, like, play on Broadway. And the cast was James Earl Jones, Angela Lansbury, John Larroquette, Eric McCormick. Um, like. Like, every Candace Burry. I mean, the entire cast was huge stars michael mckeon (laughs) (laughs) um so i mean humongous stars and me (laughs) (laughs) so i was very intimidated i know i was very intimidated going into that one and i went in like full out you know i had already done so much work because i was like if i'm with this group i have to you know really step it up so i did all this work beforehand later on james Earl jones i was like sitting in his dressing room one time he said to me he was like He's like, when I saw you in the room, I thought, oh, she's bringing it. I better step it up. (gasps) (laughs) That's insane. You inspired James Earl Jones to work harder. Well, maybe he was just being nice, but he did say it. (laughs) (laughs) And it will live on forever. It will live on in in my memory. Yes. (laughs) And on our podcast forever. Another cool thing about James Earl Jones, he 
had his script out for the entire run. And he was constantly making notes in it. He would constantly, he would go up to Eric like months into the run and be like, I just figured out this scene. And, you know. Oh my God, I love that yep, though. I know. Because what a sign of a true actor. Like it's never done. Yes. You're never done learning and discovering. That's so cool. Right? My gosh, that would honestly make me nervous though to have my script open next to me at, <laughs> on my desk. Yeah. Like, did I mess yeah. that line up? <laughs> <laughs> I had a, and I had a scene where I would come in but sitting between Angela Lansbury and Kansberg and Angela Lansbury would just sit there and tell us stories about her childhood and things like that. Oh, that's insane. I know. I know. Dame Angela. Wow. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, you guys. So in the next section of this episode, we had some slight technical difficulties. So please excuse the audio quality and have no fear. Carrie Butler is still here. Back to the interview. Obviously, like it, in talking about um, the best man, I'd love to know if there's a difference for you in because the best man being a play and being more of a um, like less of a glitz and glamour type of show versus something like uh, Beauty and the Beast or Les Mis, this huge giant thing. Like, how do you, is there a difference in the way you approach the work for um, a show that, you know, could be considered more of like a commercial big show versus something that's more pared down and more um, actor focused and and story driven? Um, <clears throat> I would say there is and there isn't. There isn't in that I will create a character biography for all my all my roles, you know, like probably 30 pages that are of backstory, things like that. Mm -hmm. I'll do the same work, breaking down the script, things like that for any kind of role I get. Um, but, you know, th the main differences, I would say, are between like comedy and drama, just knowing the differences there. And also, so the difference between playing something that's a beloved movie and something that's completely original. Mm -hmm. And the difference is whether your part is, you know, etched in everyone's memory. So sure. so playing Belle, I'm not going to take a lot of chances with that, you know. I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to disappoint those children. That's Sure. That's not gonna, I'm going to I'm going to go into my Belle voice and oh, Gaston, you are positively primeval. <laughs> um and or like doing Xanadu. I start out making it completely my own so it comes from an authentic place mm -hmm. inside of me. I don't watch the movies for the shows. Then I go back after I know how I'm connected to the show and to the part. Then later on, I'll go back and watch the movie. So I watch the movie, you know, way into rehearsals. And then I, I, I look for things that I can pick out that will charm the audience or, you know, be... Um, Easter eggs in a way sure. for the audience to see. So like I noticed, say, Olivia Newton-John just doing her whispery voice so much. So then I would do, you know, back at me. 
and just exaggerate <laughs> yeah. the things that from the movie that that yeah. people would like. Um, but it has to come from me first. Mm. I love that. I feel like there's always an element um, of that when when you are approaching a, a show that's been done by either iconic people or you know that is based on something like that. Um, yeah, you don't want to do an impersonation. Totally, totally. But at the same time, there is that level of like, I have to honor right. what's already been done. I have to honor all of the things that have come before me, which I think too, we could look at something like the the new Mean Girls movie, which is like an adaptation of an adaptation. So we're like already like yes. layers deep. And it's so interesting to like, you kind of can't even have an opinion necessarily on like, or, or like there just kind of can't be a comparison because now we're like layers yeah. deep. Like we, there's no, there's no one iteration anymore. Now it's just like, this is this person's interpretation of it and like, let it be what it is. Yeah. You almost want it to be different at this point. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Carrie, I am just obsessed with you. You are such a treat. Before I let you go, I have a series of musical theater rapid fire questions that I ask every guest. Are you ready? Here we go. Sondheim or Andrew Lloyd Webber? Oh, God. I'm going to have to say Sondheim. Sweatpants or jeans? Jeans. Do you have a favorite musical? Yes. <laughs> you want to know it? <laughs> yes, I'd love to know it. Okay. I mean, I have many, um, yes. but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my first Broadway show, which was my first, my, which was my favorite musical at the time, Blood Brothers. Ah, uh, love. Uh, do you have a least favorite musical? No. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a morning person or a night owl? Morning. Really? Yes. <laughs> So many theater people are like, couldn't possibly be morning. No, I, I go to bed as soon as my show is over. I like hit the pillow. <laughs> Nothing else is going on after my She's show. ready to greet <laughs> yeah, the day. If, if I'm like, it's an hour and a half show, yes, I get to go to bed earlier. <laughs> uh, could you think of the craziest thing a director has ever asked you to do? Mm. Oh, my goodness. The thing that's... Whether it be in the audition room, the rehearsal room. On the stage. Oh, gosh. I can't think of that many good examples. The only one that's popping into my head right now is just um, in Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, I got asked to have, like, one tear streaming down my face <laughs> at the end of Somewhere That's Green. And I did it! <laughs> and I did it! <laughs> as if as if we're, we're in a, a tight close-up. <laughs> um... Golden age or contemporary? Contemporary. Do you have a favorite role that you have ever played? Penny and Hairspray. Oh, love. Uh, coffee or tea? Tea. What is the hardest show that you have ever done? Xanadu. Just because I'm, <laughs> I'm or Rock of Ages, actually. But I'm such, um, I'm so uncoordinated. And we had to roller skate, obviously. Roller skate, In that show. Baby. And like, not just roller skate, but do tricks. And I also played three parts and had an accent. It was... I thought I was going to die, literally. And I almost and I yeah. almost got fired, seriously, because I was so, like, I couldn't do all the things together for a long time. <laughs> and then you were nominated for a Tony, so. Well, my last question for you, Miss Carrie, mm -hmm. is a question that I ask every single guest, which is, 
What is one thing that you would tell baby Carrie? Oh my gosh, I asked my guest the same question. <laughs> Not phrased that way, but yes. And so I'm going to ask you the same question. Uh, what would I tell my younger self? Okay, I know exactly. I would tell my younger self um, to stop worrying about what other people think. Mm. Uh, because the, as soon as I embraced the things I was most embarrassed of is when I started working. So as soon as I was able to laugh at myself for being such a nerd mm -hmm. instead of being embarrassed by it, that's when I found my comedy and what made me unique. So I think that's my main thing. As an actor, you can't be afraid of what other people oh, think. You have to just be fearless. Absolutely. But I was very afraid, I would say, for at least the first 10 years of mm -hmm. my career. Very afraid of what, and, and you know, afraid to embarrass sure. myself. And yeah, you have to absolutely. just get over that. I love that. Okay, so what, what would you tell your younger self? Well, it's funny because... I've asked so many people this on the podcast, and then I haven't ever really even considered what it would be. But I think, like for myself, um, I think it would probably have to do with um, gender identity and expression, because um, not just you know when I was when I was a child, but even more recently in the last like eight years, I've been on such a um, a journey of discovery in what it means to feel like a non-binary person. And um, now more than ever, I feel so lucky to actually be um, taken seriously in audition rooms that I would never have been considered for uh, 10 years ago. Um, so I would say to my younger self that the feelings of confusion are okay. It's, it's, a journey for everybody. You're not alone, even though it looks and feels like you are. Um, and then maybe even just to myself, five years ago, I would say there's no reason to look at it as um, you are not one th enough of one thing to claim this experience. I think for a, a while, I, I didn't... Um, feel like I was like, quote unquote, trans enough to claim the the sort of like title of non-binary or to like tick that box and and say, yeah, I actually, I prefer they, them versus he, him, or like she is like out of the question because of, I have a beard. So no one would ever take that seriously. And like, yeah, telling myself that's not, this is for you. It's not about uh -huh. other people and what and what they need or what they think. That's what I would say. Good. Um, what about, do you have any advice for people, you know, kind of starting out in the business? Yeah, I would say, well, two things. I okay. would say, number one is uh, do what you think is best. There are going to be a million people um, telling you well, I think that you should do this and I think you should do this. And you, people have a tendency to forget um, their own, their own opinion and, you know, honoring their own thoughts and ideas. So I would say, take things into consideration, of course, take, take people's advice and, and ask questions and learn, but also know that you are, 
born with what you have. You you are given naturally an an mm. intuition and a sense of self, and you should trust it. And then I would also say, uh, don't take it too seriously, which sounds so cliche, and maybe it sounds like flippant and, you know, just unimportant, but it, I am so, so guilty of the perfectionism and, you know, like riddled with yeah. anxiety and audition oh, fatigue yeah, 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 and yeah. all of it. And yeah. it's like, you have to have things outside of this that bring you joy. It is, yes. it is my everything, yes. truly. Like theater is what I live and breathe. I absolutely love it. But if I, if it went away tomorrow, I have other things in my life that bring me joy and comfort and solace. And that's like, you you just can't take it too seriously. It it has to be something parallel that you can, mm -hmm. you know, take a step back from if you need and still be able to survive. I always give the same advice. I'm always like, have hobbies, have yeah, because this business is too hard. Yes. To just to just Absolutely. have your highs and lows be based on. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I would say too, surround yourself. I mean, of course, we're so lucky in this business that what we do sort of creates families for us, yeah. whether it's like in one show or just like, you know, the same people that you run into every single week at auditions or whatever. You get to know people and and there's feels like a sort of like built-in support system. But I I always encourage people, especially um, kids who are auditioning for um, theater programs, to look at schools that um, will allow you to connect with people outside of the musical theater department because it's oh. so, so important. Like I, I went to the Hart School, which is a conservatory-based yeah. program, but at the University of Hartford. So I was in classes with Division One athletes and nursing majors and oh. business majors and architects. And having conversations with people outside of that safety bubble of musical theater yes. was so important for me. That's yeah, that's really, really great advice, especially for creators, because you don't want to just have that one perspective. Totally, totally. And and I would say, too, like, ask ask around and talk to people who are in other BFA programs and, like, ask what you're doing and what, what, what you're studying. And, you know, like, yeah. it doesn't have to be your one training program that teaches you every single bit of what you know yeah. and what you do. Yeah. Um, I have one more question for you. And you yeah. don't have to put this one in if you don't have a good answer. But <laughs> mm. do you have uh, any, like, favorite theater companies or websites or things that you follow that you feel like are, are would be really helpful for people starting out? Like, you know, off-off-off-Broadway theater community that accepts people to be readers or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, in terms of in terms of like working and like job opportunities. Yeah, yeah. Breaking in, breaking into the business. Yes, absolutely. I would say, uh, honestly, just just advocating for yourself in any way um, goes so much further than people think. And I, um, like, for example, I I have been a reader for many auditions. And that came from me cold emailing casting wow. companies, casting directors and their associates and just saying, hi, I'm an actor in the city. And if you need someone to be a reader, I would love to do it. And then you That's get to great. literally be behind the table. And so there are things like that that, you know, you might not Who even, did you do it for? I have done it for um, Wojcik and Say Casting um, mm -hmm. for like many of their, you know, like regional auditions for Everywhere to a Con and... and um, 
all their beautiful, amazing theaters. But um, yeah, I would say that. And then there are also things, um, there are so many up and coming uh, organizations that you can work for, like the Theater Advocacy Project. It's called TAP, T-A-P, Theater Advocacy Project. And um, they do amazing things um, to obviously to to advocate for um better treatment and better wages and um equity and diversity and inclusion in the workplace and and all of those amazing things um and i would say getting involved in something like that is a really nice way to feel uh connected to the industry that you are trying to break into while still being able to actually support yourself <laughs> and um pay your rent baby cuz that's what we're <laughs> that's what we're all doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that great advice. Of course. Yeah. And thank you for just chatting with me. You oh. are such a delight. I'm I of course have heard nothing but amazing things about you, but I was so delighted when uh when you agreed to do the oh, podcast. Oh, so. thank you for thank having you. me. It was so great meeting you. I had so much fun. Yes, so much fun. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like me to come to your school or theater group and give a masterclass or a talk back, please reach out at carriebutlercoach.com. If you like this podcast and want more episodes, please go to bpn.fm slash breaking broadway and subscribe, like, or share. Together you and I are breaking Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.